This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Uh, this morning, I'm very thrilled and honored to have with me my guest, Steve Case, who's probably most, most well-known for being the former CEO of America Online, AOL, but now is the founder and CEO of Revolution, author of several books. Uh, Steve, welcome to the program. Great to be with you. So, Steve, let me start by asking you to kind of reflect with me a minute about, you know, sort of the, the, your his, piece of history in your role at AOL and how you sort of see that in the big picture of the the computers and internet and how that's evolved. Well, it was certainly a great uh, journey. When I, uh, you know, got got started in the eighties, we started the company in nineteen eighty five. Only three percent of people were online, and those three percent were only online an hour a week. So when we said we wanted to kind of get America online. You know, we were serious about it. It took us really a decade before we kind of broke through and kind of got traction. Uh, but thankfully, by the end of the nineteen nineties. AOL was a major brand name. Indeed, about half of all the internet traffic that went through uh, in the United States went through AOL. Uh, so it played, a, I think, a seminal role in, in getting the world online and and helping kind of set the stage for some of the things that have have come since. What do, what do you think? Is sort of the biggest things you learned from that experience. Well, it really required uh, what I call the first wave of the internet companies like AOL, but there obviously were many others. Uh, required a, a mindset where it really was about partnership. You know, we had something like 300 strategic partners at AOL because we were trying to be a, a, a connector and integrator of a lot of different things. We worked with uh, software companies and PC companies and and uh, content companies and communications companies and you know, a, lot, a lot of different companies. And and together, you know, we were able to kind of accomplish something that none of us could have uh, done separately. I also learned the importance of perseverance, even though I thought the idea of the internet, you know, seemed obvious. Uh, it frankly took a quite a quite a bit of time, over a decade, before we finally finally did break through. And, and some you know tough times there, where we almost didn't make it, but we stuck with it. So I've learned that sometimes you know revolutions happen in more evolutionary ways, and you've got to kind of stick with it and and uh, and persevere. And a third lesson was the importance of, of, of policy. That you know, that in the early days of the you know, internet, when we first got started, you know, the, uh, our company like AOL had to be, create its own uh, set, set of services because it was still the internet itself was still restricted in terms of use only by government institutions and, and educational institutions. So consumers and businesses actually couldn't even connect to the internet when we first got started. And there were a lot of things, including the Telecommunications Act and other things that had to be put in place. So as I reflect on that, it was some mix of, of the partnerships that were necessary to to really kind of make the internet a reality, uh, the perseverance, you know, sticking with it, and also the you know the, the policy uh, implications. Under, under, underlying all that, obviously, was kind of a passion about the idea. We had a team that really believed in the idea of, of the Internet and how it could be a you know, kind of level of playing field in terms of access to information, education, all kinds of different different things. And, and that kind of passion really you know, kind of saw us through when, when there were some more difficult moments. When you started at AOL, did you think it was going to get as big as it did? Well, I'd say it's a mix. When we started, I, I, I believed in the idea of a connected world and the idea of uh, everybody being online, the idea of, of, of the Internet. Uh, so I always believed that that would be a big deal. I didn't know when we got started. We, we had some really big competitors at the time that were better financed and big brand names like GE had launched a service called Genie and AT&T had launched something, you know, CBS and 
IBM and, and others were, were putting a lot of money into different versions of interactive services. So it was, uh, you know, a little daunting for a little company in Northern Virginia to think that they could, you know, kind of survive, let alone, you know, thrive. Uh, but you know, so I never really expected us to be as, as, as dominant as we were at our peak in, in around the year year 2000. But I always believed that the idea of the Internet would, would be ubiquitous. What do you think the biggest lesson you learned from your experience at AOL was? I think some of what I mentioned is you know this mix of, of passion and partnerships, you know, policy. I think that's I think part of what's interesting to me and what led me to write the book, The Third Wave, a couple of years ago was that 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 really defined the, that first wave of of getting everybody online. The second wave, what I think about the last twenty years or so, has really been about kind of software apps uh, writing on top of the internet. So, you know, Facebook and Twitter and everything that we, you know, we talk about and, and use pretty habitually. They didn't really have to focus on building the core infrastructure, you know, building the on-ramps, educating people, but, you know, getting online, you know, building the servers, et cetera, et cetera, because that was already in place. They were able to focus more on the software, and that led to a series of huge successes around Essentially, viral apps that were generally kind of advertising supported. That was sort of the the core of the of the of the second wave. I think the third wave, which we're just now moving into, is how the internet kind of connects with everyday life and how it starts disrupting some you know pretty big industries, healthcare and education, you know, kind of food and agriculture, smart cities, things like that. And you know, I think it's going to be kind of a little bit back to the future. Some of the the those lessons that were critical. In, or the playbook, really, that was critical in that first wave around partnerships, policy, and perseverance are going to become important again you know, in this third wave because sectors like healthcare is not about the software. It's not just about the app. It's how it gets integrated with, with a, a series of, of partnerships and relationships so it really becomes part of the you know, healthcare system. There are obviously a lot of policy and regulatory issues related to healthcare, and it's hard, and it's not going to happen overnight, so that's where the, you know, the perseverance uh, you know, you know, comes in again. So we did see in the the first wave, a lot of companies like AOL struggled until they finally broke through. And, you know, I used to joke we were kind of a 10-year in the making overnight sensation. By the late 90s, everybody knew AOL, and everybody thought we'd just come out of nowhere. The reality is we've been at it for you know, more than a decade before anybody noticed. And the second wave, companies like you know, Facebook and Snapchat actually were overnight successes. They went from dorm rooms to global phenomenons in you know, a couple of years. Uh, and the third wave, I think it's going to you know, be more like that first wave where, where it's going to take longer uh, because they're, they're, they're big challenges and they're, they're going to require this different uh, you know, kind of third wave mindset. Well, speaking of revolutions, tell me a little bit about uh, your company, Revolution, uh, what it's about, and why you started it. We launched it uh, more than a decade ago, really, to back the next generation of, of entrepreneurs across a variety of different uh, you know, sectors. We have you know three three groups here: Revolution Growth, you know, backs kind of some later stage you know, companies where we're looking for kind of growth capital. So we think of those as speed ups or scale ups, not really startups. And we've backed you know a couple of dozen you know, companies in a, in a variety of different uh, you know, kind of sectors. Uh, there, we also have a, a group focused more on kind of Series A, B investing of Revolution Ventures that similarly is back to a lot of companies. And a more recent effort uh, in the last couple of years is we launched a, a, a seed fund, what we call the Rise of Rest Seed Fund, uh, which is really about trying to back the entrepreneurs 
all across the country that you know struggle to raise you know venture capital still today the overwhelming amount of venture capital goes to you know, a small number of entrepreneurs in a small number of places last year 75 percent of venture capital went to just three states you know california new york and and massachusetts and some really big states like michigan ohio pennsylvania virginia each got less than one percent and so we're trying to you know kind of you know kind of capitalize on that opportunity. You know, we think a little bit of an arbitrage because there are great entrepreneurs everywhere, just not a lot of venture capital everywhere. And also in the process back some of the companies that can scale in these cities uh, and the process, you know, create jobs and more, more kind of hope and opportunity in, in, in these cities. So Rise of Rest has become a, a big thing. We're obviously, you know, continue to be proud of and, and, and excited by what happens in places like, you know, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley certainly will continue to be the leader of the pack in terms of it being the strongest, most vibrant kind of startup ecosystem. But we think over the next decade, entrepreneurship will both regionalize and globalize. Uh, and, and we're trying to be on the kind of the leading edge of, of driving that. What have you discovered most about investing in these sort of non-tech center hubs about, you know, the entrepreneurs there? I mean, is there something you've, you've realized that you didn't know before you started doing this? Well, we've been doing it for a few years now, and we through this seed fund, we've made over 100 investments in 50 different cities, 35 different states. So it's, it's fairly broad, and it's also across a, a variety of different uh, kind of sectors. Uh, and you know, there's some positives and negatives. The positive, there's no question that there are you know, amazing entrepreneurs kind of everywhere. You know, there's this notion that that you know talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And, and we are seeing that that they're, they're, they're great ideas of, you know, for for great breakout companies. Also, we believe goes back to you know, what we talked about in terms of this third wave of the internet. Some of those sectors that are up for grabs are you know because of the importance of, of, of partnerships. A lot of the big partners in, in healthcare, for example, are in the middle of country. Country, whether it be uh, hospitals like uh, you know Mayo Clinic in Minnesota or the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio or John Hopkins in, in in Maryland or MD Anderson in Texas, those are some of the most important you know kind of potential partnerships if you're going to you know get credibility in that space. And the major you know kind of health plans, uh, you know, insurers are uh, like United is in you know, Minnesota and uh, you know kind of go down the you know the list. That so partnerships are going to be important. Domain expertise, we think, is going to be important in agriculture, for example, a sector called ag tech. Uh, some of the most uh, interesting uh, PhDs focused on farming are in places like St. Louis or, or Louisville or, or uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And so that domain expertise, we think, is going to become important and, 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 the, and the partnerships will also become important. So those are, those are some of the positives. On the negative side, a lot of these communities do tend to be a little bit more cautious, a little bit more risk averse. They hear a startup pitch and tend to focus on why it might fail as opposed to why it might succeed. And one of the great things about Silicon Valley is, you know, people look at more of the glass half full and half empty. So we have to, you know, work on building a little bit more of a fearlessness into into some of these you know, communities. It is harder to raise money, you know, whether it be locally from from angel investors or, you know, getting folks on the coast paying attention to what, what, what uh, you're doing. It's still harder to get your story out uh, in terms of, you know, kind of the, you know, the media, which tends to cluster around some, some parts of the, you know, of, of the coast. Uh, so there's definitely some challenges and we, we just, we just think there, there's more of an opportunity uh, over the next decade than most people realize. And that's where a lot of our focus is on identifying uh, some of the sectors that are that are ripe for disruption, and some of the entrepreneurs all across the country, not just on the coast, that might lead the charge. How do you like the transition from becoming an, from being an entrepreneur to now sort of being really a venture capitalist? 
Well, I really enjoyed both. Certainly, the building a company, and I did that for you know, almost almost two decades. I, uh, it was a lot of fun. When we started, it was just a couple of dozen people, and at our peak, it was close to ten thousand people. Then we merged with Time Warner with ninety thousand people. So you know, so they got to be a different kind of you know, kind of company as we really scaled. When we did do that merger, I kind of stepped aside as, as CEO, and that's where I've been focusing mostly on on, on backing the next generation of entrepreneurs, and also trying to be a advocate for public policy that that's supportive of, of entrepreneurs that how do you make it easier for more people in more places if they have an idea to to, to pursue that idea really kind of pursue the you know the, the american dream do you miss being an entrepreneur i don't i think right now the, the nice thing about what i do is i get to work with lots of entrepreneurs doing lots of interesting things and you know, i always am you know every day meeting new entrepreneurs with new exciting ideas about sectors often that I don't necessarily know a lot about uh, and, and learn quickly about. So it's uh, you know, being able to spend time with lots of people doing lots of interesting things and lots of interesting sectors and lots of different parts of the, the country. I, I, I've really enjoyed. Well, it sounds like you're really having a lot of fun. Is that true? I am having a lot of fun. It's, it's hard work, but it's also a lot of fun. Any any books in any future books that you're thinking about writing or or not right now? You're just pretty much focused on this. No, I think uh, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, particularly around this, you know, the, the rise of the rest. It, it's just something that we spent a lot of time on in the in the last few years. We've actually done uh, seven bus tours around the country. We pick different cities and and travel around. So far, I think it's 38 cities, 8,000 miles. We've we've traveled and really runs the gamut from. You know, places like uh, you know, Madison or Minneapolis, to New Orleans or Atlanta or or Philadelphia or Buffalo, you know, Phoenix, Albuquerque. Uh, you know, re- more recently we we're in Chattanooga, Memphis. Uh, we're in a in a couple of months going to be heading out to Florida and then Puerto Rico. There's four cities in in Florida. We're going to be visiting Orlando and Tampa Bay and uh, Miami, also the Space Coast. Uh, and then we're going to end the, in that trip in Puerto Rico, which is after a terrible hurricane, kind of uh, and focusing on kind of rebuilding, is now you know focused on more of a of a recovery effort and, and focus on their economy and, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs there as well. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see what happens there. One one interesting twist this time around when we're in the, on the you know, Florida Space Coast is most of the times when we're in each of these cities, we do a pitch competition for entrepreneurs in each of those cities. Uh, for the Space Coast, we're inviting entrepreneurs from all around the country who are focused on space technologies or drone technologies or other kind of related kind of aviation kind of technologies uh, to apply to, you know, to pitch. So anybody who's interested in participating in that should go to our you know, riseofthereast.com website and and learn more about it. Uh, so, you know, we'll keep continuing to hit the road. And, you know, if there was another book, and I'm not working on it now, but probably would relate to the Rise of Rest and telling some of the stories of the places we've been and the entrepreneurs uh, we've met and why I, I really do believe that's going to define the, the next wave of uh, entrepreneurship in, in the United States and how it's also going to help uh, deal with what's becoming a you know big challenge, uh, both in terms of our society and even in our politics, where there's a divide in, in the nation and there's uh, some people who are excited by the future and think they'll benefit from from the possibilities of of, of, of the future and, and those, most of those folks are in places like uh, like Silicon Valley and a lot of other people a lot of other parts of the country that feel kind of left out feel left behind and are anxious about the you know, future feel like they're they're, they're they're these innovations we talk about these disruptions we talk about you know it feels like they're going to be bad for their family bad for their you know their communities and I think we can address that at least in part 
if we you know, create a more inclusive approach to innovation, most more of an inclusive approach to entrepreneurship and you know really back entrepreneurs everywhere that can create jobs everywhere, not just back entrepreneurs in a, in a, in a few places. So that's why this Rise of the Rest initiative is, is so important. It's not just an investment strategy for us, which obviously is, is part of it. It's really also kind of a movement. How do you kind of spotlight these entrepreneurs, spotlight these these cities that are that are rising and showing uh, real promise and encourage investors in other places to pay more attention to what's happening, uh, particularly in the middle of the country. Well, Steve, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do decide to write that new book, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. All right. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. This is Richard Shu and Steve Case. Thank you. Thank you.